Greetings, Moonlight Citizens. Man on the Moon here with a new episode of Moonlight Kingdom Podcast, the 23rd to be exact. And on this one, we're covering a whole range of topics, from Lex Luthor and his worthiness of being Green Lantern, to the abundance of Super Soldier Serum floating around the MCU, to a various smorgasbord of other things, The Flash, and his relationship with Iris, amongst other topics on this episode. And get ready to blast off for it in three, two, one, boom. Concrete on what exactly that entails. Like, speaking of will, like, do you think, like, okay, with a guy like Lex Luthor, the amount of will he has... Do you think he would be able to wield a lantern ring? Oh, definitely. I mean, dude, you have to think about the fact that Lex, Lex is a human who was so, I think Lex's big problem is that throughout his life and with all the achievements he has, his biggest issue with Superman is that I've dedicated my life to be as grand and notable and accomplished to reach this point. And here you mosey on with your fucking powers and you think you're all that great. Lex's chip on his shoulder is Superman. Everything he's done has been in the service of proving to humanity that we don't need Superman. We can be just as great. And I will be the primary example of that. And as a result, it it literally shows us through his actions, through his accomplishments, building this tonight suit and building, or I guess even his intelligence, you know, liaising with people who have the capability to destroy Superman or pose a threat to, like. How conceivable is it that an Earthling can hire the services of an intergalactic bounty hunter or manipulate an indestructible killing robot who has adaptability hither to do a dreamt of? It's so... It's grand. Lex Luthor is as much Batman as most of the villains in DC. He is like Metropolis Batman. Yeah, his plans usually fail. Oiled by Superman and to an extent the Justice League. But that motherfucker is one of the most capable people, probably, you know, as a mortal in the universe. I mean, just even being able to craft a half Kryptonian, half human hybrid to rival Superman. Like, Lex is extremely capable. And he has had the will to accomplish such feats, such amazing feats, because of his desire to show up to the back and prove that he's just a chump. Lexa has tremendous will, in my opinion, and he's one of the more compelling villains. It's sad how we haven't seen much of his true prowess. We can't talk about Jesse Eisenberg. As what the comics and animated movies can show. I mean, just even look at Crash on 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 Infinite Earths. Look at the good Lex, the, the Lex rivaling 
into the crime syndicate, like that link single-handedly built a portal to another dimension, another earth to recruit the Justice League. And again, conversely on their world, it was Batman to build a portal to alternate earths and whatever. Lex and Batman, I, I'm not going to say that they're evenly matched. You know, Batman might outclass him and obviously combat and strength and maybe a little bit intelligence. Just look at what Lex can accomplish on his own. Look what he has accomplished on his own. There's a lot. Lex has a lot of will. You know, and probably more so a good Lex. The Earth, whatever, is it, is it Earth 4? Earth, that Lex. Like, Lex is pretty capable. He is one of the guys who should be more than uh, deserving from a will standpoint, as much as guys like, you know, Guy Gardner, George Stewart, and even Hal. Even though Hal is the best Green Lantern in the universe, we know that. But yeah, Lex, that nigga's got will. One of a kind will. Certainly, he does, and like he would definitely be fitting a fitting dude to wield that kind of power in terms of like his sheer will to like accomplish his goals and whatnot. So, yeah, but like, yeah, aside from him being evil, dude, I just uh, like you mentioned, like Silver Age things like carrying over into the present day, like someone should have definitely changed that by now. But like, I just thinking like, dude, they, yeah, I mean, like they made Hal Jordan look like a chump, but like it is kind of funny when you look back on it. Like Batman and Robin, just like, I'm just picturing Batman and Robin at like a hardware store somewhere buying like 50 cans of yellow paints painting an entire room yellow and then painting themselves yellow like just to fuck with how people defeating Martian Manhunter with fire like that's just fucking hilarious especially how he just starts writhing in pain and screaming dude it's it's I mean, so like, fucking funny like but like fire I mean isn't a laser like more concentrated fire
Yeah. It just okay. I can. That's hilarious. It, it is. It is kind of funny to see like a character like that being taken down by like flames and shit. But like, I can, I can have an easier time buying the dude is afraid of fire than the freaking color yellow, which is like somehow a better dude. Like, so like when you fly in the sun, are you like weak, man? Because like the sun's yellow too, you know. Just. I was thinking about like just the practical element, like. I mean, 
I mean, in Batman Begins, he was like a seemingly like regular dude. Like, yeah, he was a functional psychiatrist slash pharmacist. I mean, it's people like that that kind of show us that Batman's villains are really makes a challenge because they start off as normal people in society, and then something happens. I don't really remember Dr. Jonathan Crane's backstory, but obviously something happens. But hey, that nigga was competent enough to get his doctor. Same thing with Dr. Hogan Quinzel. Joker, yeah, he was a low-level street thug, crook, gangster. But the point is, they were all competent. Same thing with Solomon Grundy. Oh, no, no, Monday, Christina, she's dead. They were all people who were functional in society until... One day they weren't. And Crane was functional enough to get his doctorate and know how to make certain chemicals. And, you know, he was a fairly competent guy. I mean, I don't want to say he's the best pharmacist in the world, but these are, these are the same toxins that made Superman kill Lois and pretty much jumpstart injustice. So, I don't know, maybe he's that good that he can infect Kryptonian. I mean, yes, laced with Kryptonite, but even without the Kryptonite, still would have done a number on him. Mm. It's just that good, I guess. So, is he more powerful than sidekicks? Because Superman has, has mental... Same thing with fucking Poison Ivy. How are humans like Poison Ivy and Dr. Jonathan Crane able, able to control metahumans far better than psychics? These people have so-called mental resistance from mental attacks. But fucking humans can control them? I don't know about that. I think when it comes to like Poison Ivy, it's like... Because as you said, like these characters have mental resistance to like forms of mind control. But like with I think with a character like Poison Ivy and like the plants she makes, they emit like this pheromone that like clouds one's judgment and like can affect what you see and hear. And you can actually like see it when she like controls Superman. You can see like the veins and shit. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, so two instances. One would be, uh, so I was in the movie. It might have been Batman and Robin in the DC AMU. Um, the Justice Warverse, that one. That very good one. It reminds me of one of those movies, one of them, where... Poison Ivy infects Superman. And he starts going off on Batman and you know, it takes him almost dropping Lois from his just 
seems like what like a really strong punch will knock you out of it but it's just so they're kind of OP to an extent I don't like it it's kind of weird and inconsistent speaking of, it's kind of like Loki's staff in a way because when it came yeah, to Loki's a god man I get that like an excuse Loki with Loki and his powers, like when he touched like Hawkeye in the beginning, he was totally under his control. He wasn't like puppeting him, but like, okay, Hawkeye is evil now. And you know, he still retains his skills and like all that stuff, but he's evil now. Okay. So that's interesting because that's two different. So now, look at how Sylvie was controlling people in What If. I mean, in Loki, Sylvie, she was using uh, Asgardian sorcery, whereas in the Avengers, Loki was using the scepter, which contained the Mind Stone. Yeah. Now the I, I don't know. I don't know what's more powerful, Mind Stone or Sylvie's magic i would say it's small Sakubi's magic because in loki when those guys kept you know getting beat up and falling to the floor and hitting their heads getting punched in the face sylvie's chaos magic didn't end it took sylvie releasing them from the spell for them to regain consciousness whereas with the center it's just a casual fiction thing where you're under control, get hit really hard, bring it back to normal. Hawkeye on the on the helipad, and Eric Salvig when the blast knocked them onto the wall, and then he finally came to two minutes later. Yeah. It's very... I think it's like with Wanda, she was... Like, her powers were in effect born of the mind storm yeah but like her yeah so now red combat has her own chaos magic yeah so now that's the scarlet witch's magic and even that one took a really hard punch from a hulkbuster in johannesburg to knock him out of it if we were really talking about Maybe you know 
with some DC guy who can hypnotize people. This DC guy can hypnotize Aquaman. Put him under like a spell by touching his face. And he does the same thing to Diana. But both of them are able to step out of it with enough brute force to the cranium. So yeah, like fiction speaking, Sylvie's kind of got it on lock more than most people. I mean, I would, there's an argument to be made that Wanda has that because like she was able to take an entire town and not just puppet them under like a hive mind or something, but like think about awakened Wanda. Yeah, since that's like awakened Wanda post Infinity War. Post Endgame, her powers are actualized now. Because Age of Ultron Wanda was very weak. Yeah. Extremely weak. That's the Wanda that even the Hulk could have killed. Because he promised him, and he probably very much would have. Like, he, he said he was gonna, too, because there was that scene he was like, I could choke the life out of you and not even change a shade. Like, damn, dude. That's <laughs> very much true, because Wanda's a glass cannon. Three Infinity War. In, in, in some capacity between your freedom war, a little blast to knock her out. Yeah, it's definitely... Wanda's powers, there's definitely... It's very... Yeah. It's, it's curious how all it takes is a knock to the noggin. Yeah, it definitely... That's definitely an odd thing. But, like, when it comes to, like, Wanda's powers, she definitely has, like, a limit in terms of the range she can cover. Because on the edge of, like, Westview... Yeah. Before she expanded the hex, there were people on like the edges of town. There was like that guy that Vision ran into, who was just like outside. Yeah, like there was, he was like frozen, and you could see like he'd been standing there forever, cause like he was crying and shit. Like he was, he was being controlled by her, but he was still aware, like, cause she wasn't close enough that she could control him fully, like mess with his emotions, cause. And they were fighting it mentally. Yeah, yeah, they were like. The most, uh... Sylvie has controlled the, just a couple of TVA agents. Yeah. Like, what, 20 agents? Some 50 agents at Rockstar? Well, there were the people in that store. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, those two. Yeah. Still not enough to be a small town. I mean, I, I, I bet you could do more. Probably. Yeah. With Loki, when I it comes to, like... what her character yeah. is going to be like now. Because... She's just out there in the 616 multiverse. It's just, that was a misstep in my, like, it, that character, dude, that character pissed me off so much in season two. Like, we've covered this, but like, damn, Sylvie fucking pissed yeah. me off in season two. Like, she didn't, she didn't do much, yet she was so powerful. It is yeah. so much season one. I mean, she was literally the TVA's biggest and most dangerous low-key variant. Up until, I guess, 616 Loki came to stop her, him, 
Yeah, just ugh. But I mean, I've said it before. Like horror as a character got like it's like like just my feelings towards the character was like, well, fuck you too, then, because like once she killed Kang, it was like, and then Loki told her like, hey, the fucking multiverse is collapsing in on itself. She couldn't give a shit because like the world she was living in was okay. Like, how fucking self-absorbed do you have to be to like? Have that attitude. Living in like fucking bucket realities and even with that she knows of actively dying. And all she does is after she's done with the one, then it starts degrading. She just picks up the you know, he who remains as Tempad, opens it up, goes to the next one. Like no remorse. She's just yeah. like, Okay, well that's done. On to the next. But yeah. She's just yeah, just That's like the Loki and like the power he had with the staff. And I'm curious, like, yeah, he was able to turn Hawkeye like it was nothing. But like, there's a scene when at Avengers Tower where he like, he taps Tony, he walks up to Tony and he's like, how are your friends gonna like fight me when they're so busy fighting you? He like taps him with the scepter and nothing happens. Like, what that was P.I.S., right? Because... If he had tapped them anywhere else other than the fucking concrete actor, which contains no organic material, he would have turned. Like, it was so stupid for him to go directly for the middle of his chest. And you would have thought, with Clint on his side, giving him every bit of intel on the Avengers, he would have told him of Tony's arc reactor and notified him that if he ever plans to turn him, Perhaps don't fucking point it where the arc reactor is centered. That was literally PIS. Every time he tried, he was like, oh, this usually works. Nigga, point it at his fucking temple. Are you stupid? Like, are, are you stupid? What is going on? It, it makes no sense. I mean, it was a comedic. I mean, all that scene served to do. It was to... Loki, throw Tony out of the building, which would trigger his brand new suiting up sequence, which would then kickstart the true Battle of New York. And that scene was kickstarted by P.I.S. It needed P.I.S. to kickstart the Battle of New York. In case you haven't been following, a uh, present day Matt on the Moon here to let you know, PIS stands for Plot Induced Stupidity. Yeah, it's a moment in the story where up until this moment, the character has been functioning normally and been relatively smart until the plot needs them to be stupid for a minute. So then they do something stupid because the plot needs it to happen so that the story can move forward. Anyway, back to the episode. <laughs> Also, another thing, um, during like the Battle of New York, it seemed there's this portion of the fire where they're like, they just took down this giant, like Hulk just took down this space whale, and they're like, they're all circled up in the center, and you know, it kicks off, they're taking on the Chitari, and it seems like they're winning, and then Loki's like, send in the rest. I'm like, what do you mean the rest? Why didn't you send in everyone from the jump? Like, <laughs> uh. 
could see that New York was a temper tantrum and it was him acting out on Odin and because Loki is pretty much like young adult, he's pretty young. If we go by the Asgardian systems, he's a couple hundred years younger than Thor. Not that much younger than he would be so charming when they were kids. But he's born much later than Thor. Like, I think Thor is like, what, like 1,500 and something. Loki's like 1,000. He's barely like 1,200. If anything, Loki's like a 19-year-old acting out and Thor's like a young adult but still immature. And I think he did say in Loki, like, yo, yeah, you know, I had, had, had a temper tantrum with the and whatnot. I understand that from a character's standpoint. I really do. But I just can't accept that whole arc reactor scene. Yeah, that's stupid. But I get that Loki of the drama queen acting out, trying to, you know, take New York hostage to prove a point to his father and whatnot. But yeah, the scene with the arc reactor, nigga, go for his shoulder, go for his ribs, go for his fucking dick, do anything. Don't point it where there's no organic material. Like, yeah. Or just kill him. You know, he's at the end of the day, Tony Stark's just a guy. True, but he wanted the fight anyway. Yeah. But that was just dumb. And I want to see a what if in the episode where he actually controlled Tony Stark. That would be interesting. Basically, what if Loki won the Battle of New York? Well, then Infinity War would have kicked maybe, off a lot not, sooner. Maybe not what if he won, but. He would have won then. Dude, he would have won because it was Tony who flew the nuke into the thing. So if he's not there, then, oh, fuck, he would have lost because the nuke would have hit New York and killed everybody. So, yeah. He would have had more intervention. Ancient one. Long. Nah, they, they explained, like, they can't interfere there because... Well, that has nothing to do with them. It has nothing to do with magic. It's just... I mean, Renega, if the New York Phantom goes under, it is over for Earth-bound spell protection. She can handle small Jatari lasers, but if New York under threat, I wonder how it would have... If anything, it would give us a more pretty battle than New York, because now you have characters like Earl of Day. You have people such as, what, let's just throw random examples here. You either have characters that are either uninvolved in the regular 616 that would get involved at the threat of Earth being destroyed. We saw that, and it probably didn't, of course it wouldn't have happened in our universe, but if the world was truly, truly at its limits or on its knees, somehow, some way, Shield would have gotten the Prince of Wakanda. Either I, I want to on Shield more than the US government because they're kind of different, differently operated. Although they do probably get a budget from them. But yeah, I would think that the controls are a bit different. Because look at how T'Challa 
season of what if though man was just it was a the adventures of captain carter yeah that's basically what it was she was the main character of that whole season dude because also that first episode like what if you know nebula joined the nova who gives a fuck really who gives a fuck if nebula joined the nova Corps? like what
so he was on like Reddit for like a few days. People thought that the riders were tongue in cheek riffing on the incredible ball. What? It's a deep current reference for those who really don't know of that, you know, this poor movie, spoof movie, whatever you want to call it. But given the color scheme and how purple is such a, it's such a far removed color from what you would think a Hulk is. The bulk, the incredible bulk being purple, people just thought it was a reference to that. And I can see it, but I, I can't really accept the validity of it. I can definitely see it. You, you're familiar with the Incredible Bulk, right? I would have thought that, yeah, I've definitely heard of it before and I've looked into it in the past, but like personally, I thought it was riffing on Infragable Crunk from like that one, that Powerpuff Girls Avengers spoof. Like, because he was, he had purple skin and green pants. So, like. Oh, yeah, the Avengers ripple. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I mean, it could be either one. It's just that, looking at the Powerpuff one, it's definitely played more earnestly. Yeah. As just a way to, I guess, prevent copyright. You know, infringement and lawsuits. At least the Dexter's Lab one is played more earnestly. Because even like the Saw one, you know, that Van Halen guy. Yeah. A lot of them are, are just, they're played straight. But in a way that plays homage. Yeah. To be. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it, it can go either way. You can either concede that they paid an homage to an homage or they paid an homage to a funny spoof from the internet you can go either way either way man like just ugh, that episode though man like there's so much we could have did we re- that was just like their take on die hard because there was so much. I did like a review, and dude, there's this movie is straight up riffing on Die Hard. Even how the camera moves is riffing on fucking Die Hard. How the bad guys show up, like just, bruh, like, uh, but like that whole, you know, uh, Hans Gruber and and you know the fucking uh, the the air vent. Yeah, trying to get into the safe, like. Yeah. Also, this this is stupid. I pointed out even back then, like this is stupid. Like you just got into Tony Stark's safe. There's all this stuff here, and all you want is fucking Hulk blood. That's it. You're just gonna ignore all this other stuff for one canister of Hulk blood. Like, bruh, are you freaking? Yeah. It doesn't have the possibility to mutate you to a disgusting monster and it's not even a functional dosage and you will die. I mean, even the Hulk said in She-Hulk, this thing can kill regular people. It's toxic. Yet, you know, with Harry, it just works by chance. But I guess Tony reverse engineered it, but even that is dumb. Why would he have it? And why not 
Dark Tower, but wherever you live, it's just too much of a risk. Like we saw in She-Hulk. Like, he takes extra precautions to keep it safe. He even puts it in, like, a mini vault that opens up, like, multiple levels, and the virus, like, deep inside. Yet, in what if it's just chilling on a fucking, like, a podium or some bullshit? Yeah, there's just so much. Ugh, that show, dude. Just, man. But, like, we mentioned earlier, like, it was, like, What If Season was definitely the Captain Carter show. Like, they, for some reason, were trying really hard to get over Captain Carter. Like, just get Captain Carter over with the audience for some reason. I do not understand why. Like, for me, I just found it particularly confusing because it's not like we'll ever really see her in a super duper meaningful role after this. I mean, yeah, she might pop up in Secret Wars, but the character in itself was so unamazing in previous showings, such as, I mean, I mean, it's biggest of only cinematic showing um DS2 that character was so unremarkable in DS2 it pretty much lost the equivalent of a YouTube trailer's worth of battle time only to just fucking die at the hands of the Scarlet Witch you have her in What If with her incredibly unvaried power scale just going toe-to-toe with Thor, holding back Loki with Black Widow. It's just, it's, it's like they want to prove to us that she's great and amazing. But I just can't be fucking bothered. Because she's just nothing. Like, she gets decapitated by her own shield, which isn't really flying at high speeds. It's just thrown really hard. Can you not catch it? Like Captain America? I mean, Bucky has thrown that shield much harder. If you can catch, that pushes him back a bit, but he catches it. I guess Scott's cut. She didn't even throw it that hard or that far. Or maybe she did. I mean, man, it's just it's so much asshole mental gymnastics. You really, you know, is this like? season one like her what if it's like oh what if peggy carter got the serum instead of steve like dude nothing changed it was still 
it was just a retread of freaking Captain America the First Avenger. Like, only now it's Peggy, and, you know, Steve is taking the Peggy role, but, like, he's got the Hydra Stomper, but, like, uh. Yeah, like, and I thought Steve would be, like, you know, Winter Soldier, but not reliant on an iron lung fucking costume. Like, you guys can build that. You can't give Steve the Super Soldier Serum. Oh, so I guess he never got it. But then, if he never got it, because... Oh, okay, because... Since he never got it, it's because Captain Carter killed the Hydra spy. But they were still in the S.H.I.E.L.D. secret base behind that antique shop or whatever. So they never had the serum. But doesn't the Red Skull have the serum in his own bloodstream? Do you need Steve Rogers' blood specifically? Is it not just any super soldier blood? Like, even those parameters are so confusing. Because clearly... Howard Stark had the blood of those, what do you call it? Okay, wait. Did Howard Stark have, because the blood that was used on the Soviet super soldiers in 1991, that was the blood Howard had. Now, because of retroactive um, canonizing. Is that Isaiah Bradley's blood? Or is that Steve Rogers' blood? Whose blood is it? It went into the soldier's veins. I would guess it would be Bradley because he's like their last surviving successful Captain America because they tried, in the comics, they show like, yeah, they tried to do another Captain America and it didn't work out. And in, like, the the Captain America and the Winter Soldier show, they, you know, Isaiah Bradley explained, like, yeah, he was, you know, he was, like, the, the guy. He was, like, the last surviving dude of, like, his team, which shows, like, there were, prior to him, there were previous attempts at making another Captain America. Yeah, and he was, like, the most successful version. Yeah. So much so that they drained him dry. And fucking kicked him out and told him if he ever said anything, they'd kill him or something. So they obviously have his blood, an abundance of it. So whose blood is able to work on super soldiers? Because other than their mutation, the Red Skull was very much a super soldier himself. So just what are the parameters of this whole blood thing? Alive, 
in that modern era. He should not. He should be like a decrepit 98-year-old man who can't even walk. And he's the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he barely looks 75. Baird. I hate that. Oops, I hate that. But now, Jim Barnes is a regular human. Probably a war hero. And I guess he, he is now one of the founders of S.H.I.E.L.D. And subsequently, its director for X amount of years since the war. And, and so, I don't know. Because obviously they had to have given some serum to Alexi. And Alexi would have predated those 1991 super soldiers. That was like Russia's version of it, so yeah. We have that season two sneak peek where a younger Alexi is driving with Bucky throughout the States. And we know Alexi has been super soldier since at least the early 80s because he claims to have fought a Captain America way back then. Now, the problem isn't lying given that we know the US has experimented is trying to create multiple Captain Americas. He probably isn't lying after all, to be honest. But we do know as far back as the 80s, early or late, they were already doing that, creating more super soldiers within Eisenhower. So it's either Soviet Russia at that point, the region was already found, either one of the two. So there's clearly so much fucking serum and blood floating around on the planet. It makes the whole super soldier scarcity problem seem like a non-issue. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's dual right on that one, you know, um, Alexi wasn't... Like, even back when, like, Black Widow first came out, I was like, you know, dude probably wasn't making it up that he fought Captain America. He just didn't fight Steve Rogers, you know, because the Falcon and Winter Soldier show, like, Bradley did admit, like, you know, that wasn't, like, he wasn't the only guy. So it stands to reason, like, plus Bucky, when he saw Bradley the first time, like, like they recognized each other because... He said, like, yeah, he tried to kill him in the past, which meant that he would... He, yeah. yeah. So, obviously, Bucky would have been created, the Winter Soldier would have been created shortly after James Bond fell over, over the trade scheme in that final mission in 4446. Now, that either puts the Winter Soldier as
young man fighting in the Korean War from 
stop and that I would most probably have his blood. Probably even made Peggy unknowingly because Peggy claimed she didn't know about Isaiah. No and whatnot. But like, maybe she did. Who knows? Run a secret to Captain Shield. Because even Sam was disappointed that no one told him about it. Yeah. It's... I doubt they want to show us any, you know, sit in the back of the bus and all that. Just making a show about Isaiah and Captain America. Like, don't make it so much show about Isaiah is a black man. I mean, that is still important to the character, Isaiah being a black man and this Captain America. But they can kind of ease up on the, the racial stuff. They, they can ease up on the trauma pull, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Enough of the trauma pull. We're done with that. But you show us Captain America struggles of being Captain America as a black dude and the shit he's seen and the shit he went through but the shit he went through isn't so much intrinsically connected to trauma porn but obviously being black would inform it but don't squarely make it connected to that trauma porn aspect that so many shows that show the past of black people have to show us like you know with the watchmen and you know all of that stuff we yeah it was really... good but just cut it in hand okay but, yeah, yeah but make, I... make it more neater but still very much part of his character because it would have to be because that's why he was erased from history books you can't remove it completely but just tone it down and make it more make it more sensible can't just be random stuff. I don't want to see a scene of him getting bullied by some fucking white soldiers and they they smash his face in a mirror. Stop that bullshit. Don't show me that bullshit. I don't want to see that. But yeah, everything else, all aboard. Yeah. It'd be definitely... I don't know, it would be kind of a drag, man. Plus, Disney doesn't make those kind of movies, so... They wouldn't go down that route anyway. But um, you mentioned Watchmen in like one of those things you were listing, and I'm just like, I'm just now realizing like how white that movie is. Like, no, okay, I was speaking of yeah, the TV. I know you're talking about like the TV show. I, I get that, but like, the, yeah, the Tulsa, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like the Zack Snyder movie. I'm like, dude, I'm just now noticing how white that movie was, dude. I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the Watchmen are pretty white. You can't do yeah. anything about it. Yeah, I mean, you could try, like, race swapping some people, but, like, uh, it just <sighs> wouldn't work, man. Like, the only thing that could ever work is Rorschach being black, because it's not part of his character. Yeah. I don't want to see anyone else being black who we've seen as white. At least with Rorschach, it's like we hardly see him anyway. So he can be whatever. He can be a fucking Asian for a weekend. Yeah. I mean, he, he couldn't be. I I don't want to see you no know, fucking comedian as a black man with an African mustache. I don't. I really don't. And I, and People I would hate that because comedians a dick. Like. Yeah. yeah. Even just it being a black dick, I just don't want to see that. Because even that character, he's like a white patron 
American flag brandishing. If he was black, he would play more to an Uncle Sam role. Like, this guy's patriotic. He doesn't care about what it means to be black. But even that... Uncle Tom is what he was trying to say. I'm not 411. I'm not going to explain everything. Look it up. What is an Uncle Tom? That's what he was trying to go for. Like, if the comedian was a black guy in the Watchmen world, he would be an Uncle Tom type character. Moving on. It's just too preachy. I don't want to deal with people talking down on that. I've had enough of that shit. Dude, like, I don't know, dude. Like, this, there's, there's just. We're in a post yeah. world. I feel like, dude, like just there was this. It reminded me of this thing. There was the, the Christopher Nolan movie Dunkirk got controversy because apparently there weren't any people of color in a movie set in Europe during World War One. People were complaining there's no people of color. I'm like, are you fucking joking? Like, <laughs> okay, look, let's be honest. Let me play devil's advocate. No. A lot in the UK. There's even a special day. Um, in fact, there's so much lore about this. Long story short, in 2022, Prince Charles came under fire for wearing this like black. It was a black art military pin that honors the black World War One and Two soldiers that came from the UK. He was stationed. Because again, of course, most of them were just made to serve automatically. In the history books, a lot of them aren't really spoken about. There were quite a lot of them there. Uh, a few of them made a difference, but there's a specific holiday in the UK that honors vets that are pretty much mostly white, mostly Irish and stuff like that. There were a lot of black vets, so a new holiday was created that would honor the black soldiers that were never really given the spotlight. So Prince Charles wore a black pin. What was the matter they were black? They were there, but you know, just, yeah. There was a lot of like drama with it. Yeah. Definitely, though, but that... Yeah, they were there, but it's not a big deal. But I can see how to those who would, who would want it to be shown that it would be a big deal. But yeah, it's, it, this post-woke world is too toxic, and I'm just kind of over the, the whole representation bullshit. Because people will always say, does it matter? Does it matter? There's too much discourse around it. It's just pretty much better to just leave it as it is. White rules Hollywood anyway, so... Uh. It just doesn't really matter. But yeah, they were there, but it's just, ah. Uh, it's too much of a hassle to put it in any... Although with, um... In regards to, like, a movie like Zack Snyder's Watchmen, like... That kind of movie, like guys like Chris Nolan and even Zack Snyder himself would say, like that movie was ahead of its time, because like people weren't ready for it. Like, could a movie like that be made today? In like post the boys, post Brightburn, you know, 
post-BVS world, could a movie like that be made today? That movie was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could Watchmen be made today? In, like, post-Brightburn, post-BVS, you know, post-The Boys?
capacity that hasn't been done, which is rare, given that we've kind of touched upon every single facet of how superheroes can be fallible. But we might not deal with tropes that are as rated 18 as Watchmen. So perhaps we can, we can probably accept other avenues, maybe such as substance use and mental uh, disorders and trauma. Because a lot of what the modern era is, it's mostly surface level behaviors. Just a bunch of assholes and middle fingers. So they can they have the capacity and potential to go deeper. But as is the problem with today, going deeper and landing now would you still have that same team which was basically alan moore's critique of the justice league or would you make a new team critiquing like a new crop of superheroes like you know the avengers or something the problem is now with fiction is that most teams superhero archetypes pretty much borrow either from Marvel and DC and a lot of them are either bent and backwards versions of the Avengers or bent backwards versions of the Guardians of the Galaxy or bent backwards versions of the Justice League. So either way, all that fiction is, is just that. But from a creative standpoint, the Watchmen still, it still is a more unique critique that is a bit more multifaceted, but also grounded, save for a few characters, of course, Mr. Manhattan and I, but the groundedness helps. Because at the end of the day, the Watchmen are not planet busters and whatnot. So, if they keep that language, they might be able to do it better. Because everything we've seen now, it's just people who are nice Superman, well, from a surface level aspect, nice Superman strength. They're just ripping out jaws and, you know, puncturing people's sphincters. And there's a lot of that going around. That's not what the Watchmen are. So 
can keep them as themselves without being this like crass slanderization of you know the Justice League and the Avengers which they aren't just so that as compared to the rest of into the modern landscape of superheroes like kind of like what they did with uh that one doomsday clock story where like the watchman actually got to mix it up with the justice league but i feel like that didn't go as far as it could have gone with that idea like you know the watchman heroes are now in the dc universe and it just you know what it could have been done better that's all i'm saying but um yeah it would if you had to do Watchmen now, you'd have to change a lot because many of the critiques of what was going on back then have been done already or are extremely dated or something like you'd for certain you'd have to change who the president was because like in Watchmen, like Nixon was president for three terms and shit like that. Like, so if you were to redo Watchmen, you'd have to, I not have to, but like it would be best advised to like move forward in time, like instead of the Viet- instead of like you know Manhattan and the comedian fighting the Vietnam War, they could be fighting in Afghanistan or something like. Exactly. Yeah. Afghanistan, Iraq, and yeah. Yeah. So does that mean we? That mean we get three terms of Bush, yeah. no Obama, like. <laughs> Oh, shit. Oh, that'd be weird. Yeah, because even, like, the foreign policy in itself changes. Yeah, if we got superheroes now, so... We really got more comfortable with invading nations in the post-9-11 era, you know? That also raises... It it also raises a huge question, though. Yeah. It also like, brings up the idea of, okay, the U.S. got Manhattan now. Like, U.S. now has Dr. Manhattan as this main weapon. Does 9-11 still happen? Think about it. Like, would 9-11 still happen if Dr. Manhattan was around? That would also lend to Dr. Manhattan's morality. Yeah. To be like, what is he honestly concerned about saving on earth like who is he concerned with saving because he's seen the folly of humans he's seen their destructive ways he hates how they are if you frame it as him leaving them to their own devices he just might be unintended or or essentially an uninterested an uninterested spectator to humanity destroying itself you could frame it as 
him post 9-11 realizing his callousness like in his innate callousness in leaving humanity to destroy itself and realizing it wasn't such a good idea because that resulted in just that scaling foreign policy that the US has pretty much followed through with for the past two decades now. The way they deal with threats is just much more different than what they used to. And in a way it's much more destructive because they pretty much are toppling functional countries and democracies. And that might be what will weigh down on Manhattan's conscience, since it's probably a direct result of his lack of action to cause this, you know? Yeah. I really can't stand it. Yeah. Like, it's all on his hands. All the blood is in his hands because of his failure to act due to his you know, ineffectually born level of like grandstanding and anger at humanity when he himself was a human once upon a time. So yeah, there are very creative ways you can bring it forth. It just has to be done by really good writers. It's definitely something that can warrant a definite re- reimagining, something worthy of reimagining. Superman pulling in 
them doing an equally good job, an equally similar job in being able to pull apart the boxes. Cyborg is nowhere near the strength of Superman. Superman, if anything, should have pulled those fucking boxes alone. Cyborg isn't even strong enough to hold his own against Steppenwolf. Not even the first version of Steppenwolf. So why is he now pulling apart a fucking mother box with Superman and acting like he's exerting as, a, as much effort and force as he is? Like, no, nigga, no. Also, in like Justice League, uh, Silas Stone, he survives. Like, not only does he survive, but like he gives Cyborg his more traditional comic book design in that montage at the end, with like the big red in the center. Like, huh? Okay. But that was like an odd change. I mean, because. When the movie was, like, set to come out and Joss Whedon had done his duty, he said, like, he tried to keep it as much in the spirit of Zack Snyder's original vision, which we know now is a fucking lie. But, like, you know, like, dude, you say, oh, yeah, we kept it as original vision, but, like, someone who he, who died in the original, who they, mind you, filmed mind you, because, like, they said the movie was, like, 70% done, is now, like, surviving in this one? Like, bruh, why? Uh, yeah. You see, like, that whole... I just feel like the changes that made don't even serve the narrative as the changes that weren't made. Because what's the point of showing us Science uh, to motivate uh, motivate cyborg. What motivation does he need from him? And what do you think is from Diana and the Avengers? It's just questions that don't really make much sense. And I thought to have a positive butterfly effect. So just just keep choices. Yeah. 
personally, I disagree. I rather enjoyed the Flash movie, and um, Iris West was definitely done better in that movie because, well, that movie actually gave her something to do. You know, though mainly she had like a couple scenes with Barry, and she was his clear love interest. She didn't have much in the way of things to do in the altered universe, but in the main universe, it served the purpose of showing like, yeah, she's Barry's love interest, but she's kind of what inspires him to, you know, go. I don't know. It, I don't know. She was just done better in the Flash movie because she was given more to do. She had more screen time, whereas in the Zack Snyder's Justice League, which was a great scene it was a beautiful scene with songs of the siren playing in the background is uh more of a showcase of flash's abilities than it is of anything else like his relation with iris or whatever and it showed like even early on he did somewhat have an infatuation with her yeah that i applaud that for what it did so yeah um in it was in the justice league justice league that the character was just seemingly axed entirely. Like, because that scene wasn't even in the movie, despite showing up in, like, two different trailers. You know, it wasn't in the final cut. But hey, you know, that we all agree that movie isn't good. That movie is a movie. It's not a... I mean, it's a movie. That's It's the most movie movie that the DCEU ever made. And Joss Whedon is responsible for all of that, you know. Yeah. Back to the show. But one of those other weak points was also Iris, and there didn't seem to be as much done with their story. And it seems like a, a, a lot of it might have to do with the fact that sometimes Snyder doesn't know adapt characters he isn't used to dealing with it's very possible i mean we not saw, always the case yes we saw in how he handled metropolis and those people and alfred bruce there are some characters he knows some characters he doesn't he tends to be on the ones he knows and even those he knows barely. Yeah. It just is it's a consequence of not enough build up on Iris and that leaving another director to give us scraps of a build up in a subsequent film. Yeah. The issue is with Iris, well is a Barry, no, she's a Barry Allen separate character. You can't have her without Barry. But there's so much going on in a self-contained movie. Just like in the animated movies, you don't see much of Iris there as well. Because there's just so much happening. Yeah. So much flashed up happening, or so much justice league flash stuff happening except for the flashpoint it's any play i mean like except for the flashpoint universe but other than that yeah you're right because yeah see government is the only place where it has been able and, and even with that we wouldn't have gotten as much iris 
had they not gone their own avenue of being a, an adopted sister of Barry, because that enables us to see her more frequently, because they started the series as adopted siblings. Like, well, Barry's adopted, but they started the series as siblings, and then later come to realize they're feelings for one another. More so Iris is Barry, it's like Yeah. But that's the only avenue in which she's ever going to appear as often and prolifically. Anywhere else, she's just a Barry's girlfriend. And sometimes they get married. Yeah. And you hardly see them. Besides on a picnic. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. This is like this one question um I found myself asking like we're talking about like Barry Allen's love interest and I'm like I remember there was this scene in the Flashpoint Paradox movie and I'm just I remember thinking like why is he gay in this universe like because he traveled back in time saved his mom and like he's in the Flashpoint universe but doesn't quite realize like things have changed and he like he welcomes his mom and he's like I have to tell you something like he's gonna tell her that he's the Flash. And she cuts him off and is like, what, that you're gay? Like, yeah, I, I, I've known that. I'm like, and I'm just like, wait, why is he gay in this universe? What does him having his mom in his life make him gay? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's, it's, oh, that's, that's, that's pretty interesting. I, I, I never, that plot point, I always took as a joke. I never digested it seriously as... That Earth's flash was homosexual. Uh, like, because it's it's like oh, in, it's this like throwaway thing. But like, if you stop and think about it, like, wait, why is he gay? Like, what does his mom being alive have to do with his sexuality? Like, bro, I understand there's changes, but like, damn, it wouldn't change that much. Shit. There's yeah, it's it's, it's either that. Or he just has such, I guess, altered temperament to his usual. Maybe my little Barry, you know, plays on computers. Maybe. I mean, hey, who knows, man? Sitting oh so proudly Not much to say When 
tell you about young nasty man, arch-rival and nemesis of Wonder Boy, with powers comparable to Wonder Boy. What powers, you ask? I don't know, how about the power of flight? Does it do anything for you? It's levitation, Holmes. How about the power to kill a yak from 200 yards away? With mind bullets! That's telekinesis, Kyle! How about the power to move you? Take the low. There, the crevasse. 